Hi, I'm Chris Varner. And I'm Sean O'Brien. Welcome to It's Not the Differences. Okay, there it is. So, yep, we're recording. So we wanted to talk about, we've both come back after, well, it's really over a year. Yeah. Like a year and a half of being on either distance learning or hybrid or something in between that we don't even have a name for. And what it's been like to come back. We've been back for, what, let me see here, three, three weeks? Three weeks? Yep, three That's weeks now. For school, a little bit longer for football. And how are you finding that return? I find it, it for me, it, it reminded me of why I got into teaching because it is that relationship with the students, being able to joke, being able to see them. Granted, you only see their eyes, but <laughs> it's, it's better yes. than the camera turned off or staring at a ceiling fan. Um, so it's been, it, it, I got to admit, I'm not in teaching shape. I didn't think there was such a thing, but those first, those first couple of weeks, like I was tired. I went home exhausted. I'm like, what? You know, I know how Celine Dion feels after performance. I just give it everything. <laughs> just give it everything. And it takes it out of you. It really does. And I, it's something that I, I'd forgotten. Probably it probably was my first year teaching, but you're worrying about so many other things. Yeah. You don't think about that. And also those first few days, at least for me, you tend tends to be a little more teacher heavy. Where you've got a, here's, here's how we do this. Here's how we do that. Here's the syllabus. Here's this. And more than once, I remember going through my lesson plan and looking at the plan for the day. And I, I'm not in teacher shape either in the sense of I've got to keep looking back what, what's next. And I have to look at my paperwork. Oh, right. That's next. But I also remember looking at the clock going, that much time left, huh? I know. Wow. It's not that I wasn't planned for it. I just remember thinking, this is a long time yeah, no, it, to do this. I feel like I... <clears throat> Just starting a bad movie and really there's two hours left of this. <laughs> now that we're getting a little more into student-led, like vis-a-vis -vis like like a um, like a group project or something, I'm I'm getting more into the swing of it where they're doing. I mean, let's be honest, where they're doing the work, and you're guiding them and like nope over here not over there. That's much better. I like that better. I agree. I mean, it, it once you have. Like you said, lay the groundwork. You know, I think I showed a video clip for about 10 minutes when we discussed it, and that took us down a, a nice discussion, and that, that was a point. But I almost feel like these students are, when you see a deer in the wild, they're very cautious. I, I feel yeah. like they're looking at me with still, because they haven't seen people in person. They haven't seen a teacher, and, you know, I'm pretty loud personality as it <laughs> is. So, you know, I make these, these outlandish Grand gestures. These gestures, and they're, you know, <laughs> I don't want to scare them off. You know? Today, and I did this on purpose and got n nothing. This was the, what are they calling comedy, a tough room, where I talked about the AP exam and you need to take it and there's no, there's no good reason to avoid taking it. The only possible reason might be money if you don't have $102 or whatever it is now to buy it. And I've done this in the past, said I will personally cover it if you can. So there, so now you have no reason. And I tell them that, you know, I, I'd rather not do this just because you don't feel like paying. I'd rather it being you literally don't have the money. Every year it's like one or two that I have to cover. But I said to the students today, please don't just do that because I'm offering. Because I don't want to end up eating out of a dumpster. <laughs> you, now you laugh, nothing. 
nothing from the audience. So I said, okay, what I mean by that is, and I just started explaining the joke, and I said, I'm going to keep explaining this until one of you laughs at it. Did they laugh there? No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Trevor Probert, I could see him smiling because of his eyes. Okay, I'll take that smile. That's good enough. Yeah, but I'm like, I can go all day explaining, oh, you see, here's how money works. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you buy goods and services with it. What do you mean? You just don't go back to mom and, <laughs> and dad and get and more I, of it? And or? I won't have any food if I'm buying your AP <laughs> test. I don't want that. No, so you're absolutely right. There is a, I think we're both, we both use humor in the room. And they're terrified, at least the AP kids are, of what's the right thing to do right here? What do I do? I'm, I'm going to do nothing until I know what the right thing is to do. Even when the answer is, guys, just say, I asked you, name a Disney character, and you're staring at me. Because you're thinking, well, but, but if I say Winnie the Pooh, what if he meant, what if he wants Mickey Mouse? <laughs> He's testing not, me. Better not He's say anything. He's testing me. Right, that, right. The, the, and I don't know if that's a COVID coming back out of it, like you said, like I haven't interacted with a person for so long, I've forgotten how to do it. Or they were always this way and we've forgotten, oh right, that's how you guys are at I, the beginning. I think that it's it's, think it's, the, it's a little more I of a thing. That, well, I've noticed it too where they'll, they'll ask questions that I look at them like, you, you already know the answer. Why are you talking? Like, are you trying to impress me? Because right. this isn't working. This isn't the way to do it. <laughs> like, I don't care if I would tell them, if there's detail I really care about, I'm gonna great, I will make sure you know it. Other than that, like, this is up for your interpretation. Like a procedural? Does Could my name be. go in the upper left corner? Upper yeah, right something corner? like I that. Don't, I'm like, I, is matter. it on there? Can I read it? Then we're good. I have always divided up questions from students into one of three categories. One, a legitimate bona fide, I don't get this, explain it to me. Those are getting rarer and rarer. Second one is, like you said, I think you said it in your answer there, I'm not really asking a question, I'm showing off by even asking it in the first place. You know, if someone said in one of your psychology classes, do you find yourself more of a Jungian or a Freudian? You go, shut up. You're, you're saying that so everyone around you heard you say. Boy, that guy knows psychology. Jungian, right you know, two I was building a Skinner box the other day. No, so, <laughs> so there's that. But the third one, I think, are comfort questions. Ones that they know the answer to, but just want to hear verification. Mr. Brian, is it okay if I write my essay in pen? Yes. Oh, good. Yeah, you, you knew that. <laughs> what do you? What on earth do you think the answer would have been? <laughs> Absolutely not. Get out, get out of my room for asking such a dumb question. How dare you? How dare you even ask? So I think a lot of them, like you say, are comfort questions. I'm going to ask something. I know what the answer is, but I want that. What is it? Serotonin? What's the what's the yeah, stuff like in your a brain? Dopamine kind of release. That jolt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was right. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> I was in fact right. He's letting me use the restroom. I use the restroom. I know what's going on, and God bless him for that. They need it like anybody else, and I'm sure that if you caught him out on that, they would sheepishly grin under the mask. They'd know. Yep, that's exactly that's what. That's exactly happened. what I'm doing there. I didn't even realize it. And you know, I I will do that. I'm sure you do too. The sort of metacognitions. Here's why you're doing that, right? And they go, yep. So, so we understand. Hey, I do it too. I do it too. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. They are, whether it's shyness or skittishness or just plain fear, they're there. They're there. Um, it's getting better, though. I will say the first I think couple so. of, it was, you would talk about a hard room. I mean, I... I consider myself semi-humorous, but oh, yeah. it's like, is, is this thing on? Like, yes, yeah. it's, it's like a white sail. What do you guys, 
staring at nothing. Um, it's like a bad open mic. I do. I agree. Now, let's in, in regards to athletics. Now, that's been back a little longer because mm-hmm. of summertime. And before we started this up recording today, we were chatting about it, it seems to be getting more ominous. Like, it's more teams are dropping out. Um, a local team here, you just said they might have to cancel. And then we're having unrelated, well, not unrelated, but indirectly related problems, like the bus issue. What do you? What is your opinion on, you know, we have the football team, but any athlete, are they distracted by this, or do you think they can block it and just go, I'm going to practice, I'm going to do my set shots and my free throws, I'm just going to get better, or is this creeping in? Because uh, I, I don't know I, the answer. I would that. say it would have to. I think when we first started, it didn't, but now you're seeing, you know, Another local team had to cancel their game last week. I mean, this is a real thing. I mean, it's a real possibility, and I think it, it's hard not to. We've got kids pulled out of class because of okay. <clears throat> contact tracing, and you know that's affecting the team. It's almost like what what's next? We can handle injuries. Right. We're used to that. We're right. used to to the sort of things that go with being a coach. But how do you have a kid who did nothing wrong other than happen to go to class and sit next to somebody who happened to test up, you know, positive? And that's the day of the game. So now you you right. don't have that player. They're in tears. They're emo- I mean, they're, they're, their friends pick up on that. Like, am I next? It's almost that's what I was asking. Dead the, man walking. You know? And it's like you said, it's different from a am I next to be injured because that's always sort of a lingering worry. But it's one that every kid's seen. One of the things we do for those of you listening that don't know football practice, and it's gonna sound this is gonna sound really heartless, but both of us are aware of it. If we have an injury at practice, we're doing a drill, we're doing a scrimmage, whatever we're doing, and there's an injury that's, that the kid's non-ambulatory. He's down, he's not moving. Well, he's not not moving, but he's not going to get up. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. <laughs> we don't just send him, send him to the morgue, move on. No, he's, he, I can't get up because it's my ankle or whatever it might be. What We, we move the drill. Yeah. So, okay, drill's now over there. Continue, we will tend to this. And that sounds on the mic just heartless. But there's no other answer. The, the other answer is everyone gather around and gawk at this guy and be reminded this is a Correct. dangerous this game. This could happen to you, too. We don't want Are that. you looking at this? Are you looking sure. At this? So that's what's at stake. <laughs> anyway, here, get in the huddle. So the kids are always in a sort of back of their head. Yeah, it could happen. But I think you're right. This is different. Yeah. This is someone just showing up, pointing at you and saying, you're out. Why? Because you sat there. And this dude next to you had a problem. Yeah, it's like an unlucky bingo game. Like, you're winning, but <laughs> you get right. pulled. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I guess maybe we should ask the kids, is this something affecting you? Of course, half the time, and I've said this to you, <laughs> players will give you the answer they think you're searching for. I remember distinctly as a line coach, line would come off, and I'd ask a player, can you block the man in front of you? Because if you can't, we have to do something else. And the player, yes, sir. Said, no, it's not a. <laughs> I wasn't. wasn't a rhetorical. I wasn't telling you to block him through a question. I really need to know. Yeah, I could absolutely handle him, coach. Dude, I need you. I need to know. Because if you can't, I'm not gonna take you out back and beat you up. Just all right. So we're gonna have a problem in this area. Do you think kids will be honest with, hey, are you guys worried about COVID? They'll go, no, sir, I'm perfectly fine, sir. Let's play, sir. I want to kill him, sir. Or, yeah, it's actually on my mind a little bit. I think that 
It's probably on their mind, but a subconscious level. Okay. I, I think it's in the back of their mind. I think it's, it's like you said, sort of an ominous mm. kind of thing. But I don't think they've actually stopped to say, like we have, yeah. being adults. You know, I always say when I teach in psychology, you can't unlearn something. You, you just can't. So we're, we don't remember what it's like to think like a 17-year-old. Mm. And all we can do is yell at them as if we're yelling at our 17-year-old self, <laughs> like the world's right in front of you. you got to do something. <laughs> but it's like describing a movie to somebody they can kind of get it, but until they see it, they don't get it. And you I always see, try yeah. to, like, you don't have to go down the same path I did. So I don't think that they developmentally can, they don't think in terms like that. At least the, the lion's share of them, I don't think, think in the, terms it's, of that. Yeah, it goes back to, and actually your, uh, your son's going to encounter this in my class pretty soon. The idea of enlightenment being a one-way street. There is no, what was that in the Matrix when the guy says, you know what, count me out, put me back in, oh, yeah. whatever the hell that... that character's name was and we think but you can't like because you will still know it's false yes you're having your he has a steak or something you're eating your steak dinner but you know you're chewing cardboard or whatever it really is you cannot go back once you know what's really going on you can't unknow it you and i can't decide tomorrow i'm all in on santa again i'm gonna go yeah. back to santa <laughs> he's coming. I really like that <laughs> I think I so believe the Easter in them bunny now. And, with it. and while we're at it, yeah, Easter Bunny, leprechauns, whatever else. Um, I don't think that's sad, by the way. The idea that, well, Santa, but any sort of enlightenment move, moving from darkness to light to, to ignorance to knowledge, I don't think that's ever bad, even when the result might be, oh, so my wife is cheating on me after all. You know, <laughs> that sounds terrible. But at least that, you know. It, yeah, okay, you know. all right. That explains a whole lot of things all of a sudden. Um, boy, that got dark in a hurry. Did you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really took us downhill in a hurry, though. You, From you know, enlightenment kind of, to infidelity, it's, folks. It's kind of funny that you're, you're bringing it. <clears throat> so there's a, a, a Netflix documentary. It's taught, I believe it's called The Movies That Made Us. Oh, yeah. And they do kind of behind the scenes. One they were doing on Back to the Future. Now, a lot of people are aware that Eric Stoltz, they filmed two weeks with Eric Stoltz before Michael J. Fox. What I didn't know is that when they did the first reading, Eric Stoltz at the end went, boy, this is really sad. And Bob Zemeckis and everyone's going, what do you mean? It's funny. He goes, He's the only one that knows what his life was supposed to be. The rest of the world has no idea of what it was prior to him changing, you know, the past. And then I think that's when they realized Eric Stoltz is probably missing <laughs> what we're trying to do here. So they were able to go and get Michael J. Fox at that time. Right, right. Yeah. We're not that deep. Yeah, thank you there, Eric Stoltz. I know he, this is coming fresh off the movie Masks, so I think he was... And we don't really want there. Marty to be just, you know, <laughs> suffused with... <laughs> This sort of metaphysical dread. Like, that's not what we're going for. He does a skateboard trick at Town Square. That that's what we're scene. going for. We're going for that one. Come on. But it's, it is an interesting point of view, not for that film, um, because wouldn't by extension Doc have the same problem? Yeah. But he was supposed to be dead. But by extension, and, and Michael J. Fox's character was at Marty, right? Marty's life is materially improved. Correct. Ironically, in the same, same address, house. which same is house. kind of an odd. <laughs> they like, still, he still doesn't have an automatic um, garage door opener, which, by the way, I had at that I point. And he parked his truck like sideways, sideways. somehow. Well, he doesn't, want to, <laughs> doesn't want Biff showing up. And, uh, which, <laughs> like, why would Biff have anything to do with him? 
Someone brought this up. They said, do you realize, George McFly, that Biff was trying to sexually assault? He was trying to rape your girlfriend. And you got over that because you're a good detailer and I knocked you out. Like, And the only reason this didn't happen <laughs> is we happened to encounter it. Right. <laughs> hey, you get your damn hands And you off made her. that silly fist. I think it literally like tuck his thumb under or something. Like this, we were seconds away yeah, that, that from the Eric movie. Stoltz darkness. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't happen. Right, that, the Back to the Future, like, wouldn't, like, everything have changed? Instead of everything's exactly the same, but Except just for better. It's just slightly better than it was before. It's still Crispin Glover as your dad. Like, <laughs> you can't get away from that. But you still have the older brother that lives at home, right. but instead of working at Del Taco, he's wearing a suit. Right, but still at the ratty <laughs> yeah, kitchen table. Right there. Dad, I thought, was a successful author. And you're still living in yeah. this lower well, middle class. Marty, I always wear a suit to the office. Like, right. well, why are you here? You can't get an apartment? It's 1985, man. <laughs> what I have heard also in the second one, they patterned the older Biff Tannen was Donald Trump. Like, that's really? who he is. I did so not know him. that. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that he puts his face on things and he's, Oh, the second the second movie. The second yeah, no, the no, original. The, I don't think they had thought that. Far no, I mean like yet. the second timeline second where timeline. where yeah. in the that actually makes sense. Where it's everywhere. That actually the makes sense. Dystopian timeline. Yes. Sort of. Uh, but he's still. A, yeah, there he doesn't live in the same house. It's a Wonderful Life, <laughs> like Inside Out kind of story. Um, this is what we mean about we meander. Yes, we meander. It's, it's rabbit holes. I don't know. <laughs> we get to Back to the Future. I remember seeing something online that said things you didn't notice about Back to the Future, but all of them were, well, yeah, of course I noticed that. Like, did you notice how after Marty destroys one of the two pine trees, when he goes back to the future, it's lone? Yeah, I I I caught that because the camera stayed on it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, we saw that. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. That was our camping movie. Whenever we went camping in Yosemite, we would watch that trilogy all the way through. Just, it was comfort. It was a comfortable movie. What's funny is Old Man Peabody, who was the guy that owned the two trees, right? The two yep. that he was breeding pine trees. Breeding oddly. pine trees. I don't know how you do that. That became my son's boogeyman. So like, there, was a, there was a house, and whenever the kids would, when they were like four or five, they'd act up. I go, hey, that Old Man Peabody lives up there. <laughs> and it wasn't until they were maybe seven, and they're watching the movie, they go, hey, wait a second. <laughs> Like, you can just see that whole Santa Claus way. Are there two Peabody's? Is it a coincidence or? <laughs> I had a, a great, I'm going to call Old Man Peabody. He's going to come down. And get his shotgun. <laughs> it was Boo Radley. It was the Boo Radley of yes. your kids. Yes, exactly. Another thing, we've gotten rid of that book. Have we really? Yeah, essentially. District has decided. Is that a district thing? Yeah. Okay. I mean, To Kill a Mockingbird. What they said was, and this is where we start treading into losing our jobs. Talking bad about our employers. Hey, that's okay though. I'm just listening. For the record. <laughs> for the record. <laughs> um, they decided to put on pause a couple books, and To Kill a Mockingbird is one of them. But we pause has been now rather indefinite. I think it's been a pause for several years. Um, and the reasoning usually given for To Kill a Mockingbird's, we'll call it pause, is because of the use of the N word. Mm-hmm. Now, those of you who know the book well, and that number is diminishing because we don't teach it, know that the two times it's used is one by the most reprehensible character like ever put to paper, just 
horrible human being. So it sort of makes sense. The other time is when the young girl scout hears it at school, comes home and repeats it to her father who promptly tells her not to say it and explains why. That seems wonderful to yeah. me. Like that's exactly how we ought to do this. But here we are. We're just not going to do it. I don't know what there's to say about it, but that's where we are. And of course, Huck Finn is out. Same reason, but that one's got 187 or something. Yeah, I was going to say that's a, that's a lot more. more. more pepper. And Mice and Men, same reason, even though it's very, very small. What's ironic about those is To Kill a Mockingbird has um, accusations of rape and a murder, which were fine, apparently. Mice and Men has a mercy killing and an, a manslaughter, accidental killing. Correct. Um, Huck Finn doesn't have on-screen murders, but there's death in the story. And, of course, we do Romeo and Juliet, which has everything under the sun. Like, there's all kinds of murder. There's... Suicide. Su double suicides. There is... It's, it is marital sex, but one of them's 13. So, you know, we got issues, and yet we seem to... Those are fine. You know, it reminds Absolutely me fine of, with that. you heard about the, uh, was it Pepe Le Pew? That they're, yeah, the they're skunk. Getting, they're Absolutely. getting mad at the skunk yeah. for uh, uh, sexual assault, sexual, really. Yeah, right. Yeah. But someone brought up, but this is a generation raised on Grand Theft Auto, where you can <laughs> yes. kill a prostitute <laughs> right. and, and run her over and, and beat her. But right, the, that's the, the Pepe bowl. Le Pew from yeah. the, the, was it 60s? <laughs> 70s? Yeah, something like was that. Seven? Like, you know, what's next, Felix the Cat? Because like, I really... Like, yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, the Pepe Le Pew thing. He's a he's a French anthropomorphic French skunk. We're we're far from reality. We're already really far away Correct. from reality. Yeah. And unless I'm mistaken, I don't really know the Pepe Le Pew oeuvre. But doesn't he get his comeuppance every time? I believe he, yeah, he doesn't he, succeed. No, no. It's kind of like Spike the Bulldog that or you know. Tom, he never one-ups Jerry. Yeah. The I mean, granted, coyote he, never wins. he doesn't, like, get arrested and put on trial. But I think he loses a lot, if I'm not mistaken. I would agree with you. And you're right, the Grand Theft Auto, like, I don't know those games, but is the, the well, the title there is right there. Is the goal to be, a, like, a criminal <clears throat> You know what's warlord? funny? I, when that got popular, I was kind of wrapping up my video game sort of playing days. That's oh, okay. right when I became a teacher. So I remember playing it when I was in college, but I never played it with the understanding of, of how to beat the game. Oh, okay. I would just run around and shoot people and get a flamethrower and then just see how many people I could do and, and you know take care of. So I never really played it for the sake of I got to beat this game. So I really don't know what the objective I see. is. But I do know that I was able to commit a lot of violent acts in a short amount of time. And that, I, you give points, like that's what you're trying to do, or you're not like arrested by the LAPD. Well, and they'll in come, but then you, you take you just on kill the, them. You, you, yes. I see. Yeah. Good. Yeah, awesome. I, so, Very nice. This was about 03, 02, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're doing that in schools, so I wouldn't, although sometimes way back when in the core, I would go in there and I'd see a, a shoot 'em up being played and have to tell a kid, nope, we're not going not gonna to be doing that. Um, so I don't know what the future is for those books. Probably there isn't one. I've sort of half-jokingly said pretty soon we're going to have a um, um, school library 
that's Call of the Wild, White Fang, where the red fern grows, dog stories, so that we can avoid every conceivable problem, because now it's not even humans, it's dogs. How do you feel about that? Someone who dog has stories? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm saying because you've taught these books for so long. Yeah. That you've, I mean, you know it better than anybody. They miss, the, peep, critics, critics miss the point. So I am not going to stand here while I'm sitting. I'm not going to sit here and say no one should be offended by the N-word because I don't, that's not my providence to say. If that is something that in all of its contexts, no matter how it is said or for whatever reason you find offensive, you have that prerogative. You, I can't tell you what things offend you and what things don't. I would say it's impossible to say context doesn't matter. It has to matter. I mean, it has to. Um, and if you don't understand the context in which this word is being said in all three of those works, you might be unduly offended when you don't have to be, I guess is what I'm saying. I, if you choose to read the book and say, I understand exactly what Twain is doing or what Lee is doing or what Steinbeck is doing, and I am still offended, okay, I can't help you. I, that's fine. You have your offense. But I can't shake the feeling that people who are offended by it haven't read it, don't know what's in it, and are just offended because they can't understand context. And if they did maybe some of them wouldn't be. So I guess that's a complex answer. No, it makes um, sense. The problems with Huck Finn really aren't that the N-word is in it so much. It's that it's the redemption of white folk is the problem. Jim is a main character, but he's ultimately a secondary character because it's the story of this white boy who comes to understand, oh, I get what racism is, and I've been one. Great, but it's still one of those white redemption stories like on the backs of a black dude, in this case, Jim. That would be a problem. That's a fairly complex problem. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird almost has a similar problem. It's another sort of white savior story. So there's your problems, that these, guys, these stories are all about white saviors. And that no, one, no one mentions that, no one talks about that. But on the other hand, we're not going to read, um, oh, I don't know, like James Baldwin. We're never going to get to that either because he uses the N-word. Hmm. But like to say, this is a word that means something and, and you don't get to call me it because it has this connotation. We couldn't get away with that, even James Baldwin. I don't know. I, I, context matters, but at the same time, I can't dictate what people are going to be upset by. No, I mean... You just can't. You can't, because that, it also changes. Right, it changes, and it's valid. I don't have the same life experience as, in the, we're talking in this case, it'd, it'd be a, a black folk. I don't have that experience, so I don't get the, whatever, the sting, the hurt, the pain of that word directed at me. I can look at it very clinically, because I don't have any of the emotional or cultural effects played on me. So I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to say... You shouldn't be upset by this because just because it doesn't offend me doesn't mean it doesn't offend other people and that those offenses are valid. That's the end of part one of episode one of It's Not the Differences. If you'd like to hear more from Chris Varner, please visit my lifestyle channel called Just a Dad Bod. And for Sean, you can find my books on Amazon 
or on my website at seanobrienauthor.com.